Hey, if this is your first time with us today, we're just delighted that you've decided to come our way. We're honored that you're here. If you're looking for a church home, man, we'd love to have you. Um, there's an information center on your way out to your left, and there's a free gift for you that we'd love to just bless you with. Um, we just are thrilled that you decided to join us. Hey, we want to welcome our live stream audience right now, our, our on-campus, our live stream campus online. And hey, let's say hi. Let's, let's give them a hand. Thank you for joining us all over the country and sometimes even around the world, different parts of the world. So thanks for joining us today, popping into our living room. And hey, so thanks. I just want to say thanks also for those of you that call Metro Believers Church home, thanks for praying for your pastoral team and our pastoral retreat this last week. We went away uh, on Sunday night and spent all day on Monday, came back Monday night, and just talked about where we're at and where we're going and what God has for us. And man, it was awesome. It was the best ever. And I just want to say thank you for praying for us and lifting us up before the Lord for God to give us your leader's direction. And so, also wanted to, to say that we, we heard from God, we've heard from each other, and now we want to hear from you. So, uh, we have decided, first time ever, we're going to do a family meeting uh, coming up here in November, uh, November 24th. You can take out your smartphones or your tablets or whatever you do, and you can put it down on your calendar right now. Uh, we'll have more information to come in the next couple of weeks, give you a chance to sign up to be a part of that. Um, but the, the 24th of November, 6.30 to 8, we're going to have the gym at High Point. We're actually going to be doing it at High Point Church. They've uh, just welcomed us and allowed us to use that space so we can fit everybody in. Kids will have the gym to play and we can have some fun. Talk about, we want to hear from you. We want to hear about some of the things we have in our heart and um, how that intersects with you to hear from your heart. So please write that down and uh, make sure that you save the date. We have some coffee and desserts and have a great time together. Also, as Jordan said, tonight, everyone say tonight. First Sunday prayer. It's our corporate prayer meeting over at the TC. Uh, we just, one hour, we kick it. We pray for our city, our state, our country, the world. We pray for our church. We pray for you if you have a particular need. So tonight, 6.30, we'd love to have you come and be a part of that. If you don't have one of our outlines, slip up your hands and our ushers will get you one. This is a, if you're new to NBC, this is sort of a, just an outline of what I'm going to talk about today. It'll help you capture some of the verses and the points that, that I refer to. We do also have notebooks in the back that you can go by and get them free of charge to archive those notes. If you'd like to keep track of them and uh, keep them in a great place, um, please do that. So today is the conclusion of our series called Marriage Secrets. And so, as I've mentioned before, over the past four decades, Vicki and I have been married a little over 43 years, over the past four decades, you know, Vicki and I have been learning and growing and, uh, you know, making mistakes, right? And learning from them. My wife says, I have been making mistakes. <laughs> making mistakes and growing from them, learning from them. And, and here's the cool thing is you get to be the benefit. You get the benefit, I should say, of those mistakes that we've had over the last several years. And so uh, you get to be partakers of some of that fruit, of some of the things we've learned the hard way. How many of you know what I mean by the hard way, right? By the hard way. And so uh, we have found, I have shared with you before, we found some, what we call the secret sauce of having a great marriage. <laughs> if it was just that easy, right? 
if it was just that easy. But once again, you know, these principles that I'm sharing, perhaps you're single today, you're, you're out there and, and on online uh, watching, um, and you're single, and you say, well, this doesn't apply to me. I've talked about these principles being transferable. And you can apply most of these things I'm talking about to everyday life in every relationship. And so, um, really want to encourage you to listen closely and pay attention. Uh, we refer to these as secrets because, you know, really they are not really known or, or really practiced in marriages today. They, you know, they might even be known, but they're not practiced. They're simple stuff. And how do you know that the simp- it's the small stuff that makes the big difference, Right? It's the small stuff that makes the big difference. And so Solomon even said it, that it's the, the little things, the foxes that spoil the vine. And so really want to encourage you to, to capture the small stuff here today and really begin to apply it to your marriage or your relationships. And last week I talked about keeping our marriage fresh and creating things that are fun and exciting and different and, you know, sort of mixing it up just a little bit. And I, I talked about you know, I sort of create my own little holidays, right? And so I talked about one of the holidays I create. I just made it up, right? So it's called the first snow day. Well, little did I know it was coming sooner than I thought. (laughs) (laughs) Typically, it's around December, you know, sometimes January. But uh, the holiday I created years and years ago was the first snow day. And so this week I was able to, you know, I just make up these, these dates just to have fun and honor my wife for no other reason than I just love her face and the rest of her. She is it for me. Yeah. So after 43 years, we're still saying that and loving each other. And so this week she got, of course, a, a doorbell ring and George's flower shop delivered these beautiful flowers. They're still on our counter. And simply said, to the love of my life, happy first snow day. I love you more than you know. Thanks for being my best friend, Love Glenn. Okay? Come on. Come on. All right. Yeah, I know it. I was thinking about that this morning when I was thinking about sharing this. I thought, the guys are going to be hating me today, right? It's kind of like, why are you setting the bar like that? You're crazy. You idiot. So, but over the years, Vicki and I have sort of distilled this down to like 12 little things that we think make a big difference. And, you know, they may not sound very, very profound, but they make the difference between what I call a poor and a struggling marriage versus a strong, healthy, and vibrant marriage. They make the, they're the difference maker. And we've used as our foundational verse, Psalm 127, verse 1, that says simply, Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Think about that. Who's your builder? Uh, I've talked about this before. When you have a house, oftentimes people ask, who, who's your builder? Who's your builder? You know, there, and some people, there are some builders in the city that, you know, have a great reputation and some builders that don't. And you mention that particular builder and some people go, oh, <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about? And other, other, other times you'll mention a particular builder and they'll say, Wow. Okay. How many of you know God is a great builder? He has the wow factor, okay? And so if God is the builder of your marriage, unless the Lord builds the house, they, the work that they've invested in, the builders, it's wasted. It's wasted. And you, you don't want to be wasting your marriage. You don't want to be wasting your life trying to build it on your own, right? 
You want to let God build it. So great marriages are no accident. How many of you know that? It's not like, you know, I, just, I found the right one, you know. I found the right one, you know, and because of that, we have a great marriage. That's true. You know, a lot of people say, there's only one. You know what? If that was the case, if you messed up, that means I get messed up. You know what I'm saying? If there was only one for you and you picked the wrong one, the domino effects mean we all got jacked. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but how many of you know godly principles can change anything? Anything. And so great marriages are no accident. And I like to say it like this. It's what you do with what you have that makes the difference. It's what you do with what you have that makes the difference. And Proverbs chapter 24, verses 3 and 4 says, It's by wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established, and through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. I don't know about you, but I want that for my home. I want that for my marriage. I want that for our relationship. And we've been, we've been striving for years to achieve those goals in our relationship and in our marriage and our home. And it never stops, right? I'm convinced that God wants all of us to have exceptional relationships. That's God's goal for our lives. He wants us to have exceptional relationships. But here's the deal. We have to be willing to take a look in the mirror and be honest and make the necessary changes in our life instead of pointing the fingers at each other and blaming each other for all the problems that we have in our relationships. And so far, we've talked about Nine secrets. We talked about, you know, just what they look like and how they play out. And I'm not going to go over all of them uh, in detail. I just want to sort of recall them. But there's, there's CDs. You can listen online. You can go to those, those tapes and, and, and catch up if you missed any of that. The first one was just simply this. Don't be the center of your universe. Let God be, right? Don't be the center of your universe. Second, remember the golden rule. In other words, treat your spouse the way you want to be treated. Third was the art, learn the art of good communication. When you don't know how to communicate properly, you're a ticking time bomb. Number four was learn to pay attention. Good communication demands that we develop good communication, right, and listening skills. Number five was train your spouse. <laughs> train your spouse. Praise the positive aspects of your spouse. Number six, be touchy. Nourish your, your love through touch. Number seven, play second fiddle. Put the needs of your spouse above your own. Number eight, make your spouse your BFF, your best friend forever. And I can honestly say that Vicki and I are best friends. I'd rather be with her than anybody else in the world. And number nine was start with the big rocks. Remember your priorities. Keep your priorities straight in your relationships. Now let's talk about today's big three. Uh, today's big three is all about attitudes. It's all about our attitudes and relationships as we wrap up this series. The first one we're going to talk about today is simply be kind and polite. You know, it's so simple, right? Be kind and polite. Oh, whatever, you know. Yeah, it's so simple. But how many of you know it's, it's harder to do? It's easy to say. Be kind and polite to each other in your marriage. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 says, get rid of all bitterness. Now, let's just apply this to our relationships right now, okay, in our marriages. Be, get rid of all bitterness. How many think that's a good idea? And rage and anger, brawling and slander, and along with all form of malice. We could just stop there and go home and, and take that to the bank, right? And if we just do some of that we would see our relationships change. And then it goes on to say, be kind and compassionate. And this applies to you and this applies to your marriage. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as 
God, or just as in Christ, God forgave you. How many of you glad you're forgiven? See, the bottom line is God wants us to be kind and considerate and compassionate to one another in our marriages. And so the bottom line is, here, Christians can be some of the meanest people on the planet. We were just talking about this yesterday, man. Sometimes Christians can be mean, downright mean. And, And spouses can be downright mean to each other. Sometimes we say the, the, the most horrible things to each other and out of, out of a fit of anger or rage. But here's what I found out. Courteous expressions and kind responses can go a long way in our marriage. It can diffuse things. The Bible says a harsh word stirs up anger, but a soft answer turns away what? Wrath. Yeah. Like stuff like just simple stuff. Simple stuff. Basic decorum. Basic civility. It's like, like this word called thank you. <laughs> how, many of you how many of you think you could use more of that in your marriage? Thank, just thank you. Just thank you and please. Yeah, just stuff like that. Basic stuff. Or you're welcome. Yeah, to each other. You're welcome. Thank you. Please, you're welcome. Or excuse me. Not excuse me, right? <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. It's all about attitude. Everyone say attitude. attitude. Now say it with an attitude. attitude. Okay. All right. Or stuff like, would you mind? Or, or can I get you something? How often do we, you know, get up out of the living room and go get ourselves something and never even think to ask our spouse, can I get you something? You know, it's like an inconvenience or something. And so, so or here's a big one, guys. This will change your marriage. Here's, here's a big one. How about... What can I do to help? <laughs> Some of you are like, how do I even say that? How do I even begin to say that? <laughs> I'm like opening up Pandora's box if I do that, right? <laughs> She'll never let me quit. <laughs> what can I do to help? All right, all you guys, say, say that with me. What can I do to help? Wow, you did it. Wow. So just that's a game changer. Vicky tells me when every time I say those words to her, it changes the atmosphere in her home. What can I do to help right now? See, why? Because she carries a heavy load of stress and and responsibility, and and oftentimes we overlook that as men. You know, we know what we have to deal with. We got our deal, but we don't realize what they carry. And so just those simple words, saying "What can I do to help?" will change your marriage and relationships. Why can't we be more courteous and considerate of each other? Why can't we do that? What's the deal? Why can't we be more kind and polite to each other? Sometimes, sometimes we treat treat the ones we love the most the worst. And it's so sad. And, you know, if you could back up just a little bit and look at the way you treat one another, you would be appalled sometimes. And I think, I think just sharing stuff like this and, and hearing it can help make some adjustments that will change our lives together. If we would just treat our spouse and our family as good or better than we treat others, it would, treat, it would change our lives. It would change our marriages. It would change our homes. It's the little things that make a big difference. Second, the second principle for today, the big three, is this concept of tension demands attention. Tension demands attention. 
In other words, we have to learn how to deal with problems in our marriages and our families when they arise. We have to learn how to deal with them. And, and when I say deal with them, I'm, I'm talking about dealing with them appropriately, dealing with them rightly. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 says, be angry, and yet do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, learn to talk about things that bother you. Don't let them fester. Don't let them fester. Don't, don't keep sweeping them under the, the rug or the carpet, because over time, there's going to be a hump there, right? And you're going to start tripping over that hump that you've swept under the carpet, you know, you're just a ticking time bomb. That's just a matter of time before you actually blow up. See, God wants us to deal with things when they arise and talk about them in appropriate ways, ways that, that are life-giving, see, and not life-killing or destroying or sucking. See, th- every single time we sweep it under the carpet, we're just, we're just adding to the pile. We're just adding to the pile. We're adding to the pile. Some of you say, well, uh, how do we do that? How do we deal with that? We know we have tension. How do we give it some attention the appropriate way? Well, let me give you three ways real quick here. First, realize that conflict is inevitable. How many of you know conflict is inevitable? When you get two people together from differing backgrounds, you put them in the same house together, (laughs) you're going to have conflict, no matter how much you love each other, all right? Why? Because you're just coming from different backgrounds, different areas, different, different environments. You, you they see things differently. You understand things differently. You speak different languages, right? And that's just a recipe for difficulties and frustration and disappointment. And, and so real, first, the first step to deal with it is to realize it's just, it's just natural. Every one of us have to deal with it. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken because you have some conflict. You just need to learn how to resolve that conflict in life-giving ways. Because conflict exists in every relationship. And I like to encourage couples to, to learn how to fight fair. Fight fair? Yes. Learn how to fight fair. Learn, learn you know, when I, was back, when I was a bouncer back in the day and I used to fight for a living and all that kind of stuff, they, even in the street there were certain rules. <laughs> you didn't fight dirty, right? You know, thugs fighting with each other. They still had this code of conduct. Marriages could use some of that, right? <laughs> Nobody likes a dirty fighter. So in an unstable environment, hostility is aimed at the person's sensitive areas with comments such as, you never do anything right. Or, or you're a total idiot. And, and nobody's a total idiot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> And it's not true that you never do anything right. You may not do a lot right. But see, the, uh, the offensive marks that we, we do to each other strike at the very heart of a person's self-worth, right? But healthy conflict, everyone say healthy conflict. Healthy conflict. By contrast, remains focused on the issues that cause the disagreement. It always protects the other person's dignity, see? Stays focused on the issues at hand. It deals with the point. It doesn't stray onto other things and drag all sorts of stuff into the pile, see? Second, the second way you resolve conflict is you understand the impact of unresolved conflict. Man, it will eat you up, unresolved conflict. Here's a couple of bullet points here. Look at this. Unresolved conflict, first of all, builds walls of pain and bitterness 
which blocks communication and true understanding. How many of you know that's true? Second, unresolved conflict is like a low-grade infection which can plague a relationship for months, years, and even decades. Third, unresolved conflict creates a, a potent acid which eats away at marriage, friendships, and family members. It will eat you away. It will, it will take the, all of the strong, wonderful things out of your marriage and it will destroy it. Just unresolved conflict. That, it's like a, an infection, a low-grade infection that keeps you ill and keeps your marriage ill. And the third way you deal with conflict is learn, learn to do it properly, right? Learn, learn to confront properly. Confrontation, when done properly, I found out, Vicki found out, that it's a tremendous asset to our relationship. It'll actually bring us closer together with each other if we handle it the appropriate way. There's four different ways. Sociologists figured there's four different ways to deal with conflict. And here they are. They're in your notes. You can fill in the blank. You can have them with you. First of all, the fight to win perspective. This is one way of dealing with conflict, and a lot of people do that. It's a fight to win attitude. This is what we call the I win, you lose. I'm right, you're wrong position. All right? And some people do that. They, that's the way they deal with conflict. I mean, no, it's not healthy, right? Second, the withdrawal, the withdrawal approach. approach. This is the I am uncomfortable, so I'll get out position. Third, check this out. Third, it's the whole idea of yield, yield. This is the, I, the rather than start another argument, whatever you wish is fine position. <laughs> so you can pick the one that you naturally gravitate towards. Those three are all unhealthy, right? But there's a fourth option, and it's called the loving confrontation option. And this is the, I care enough about you to deal with the issues as they really are position. How many of you know that's an important way to deal with conflict? This is, it's learning how to do it right. It's learning how to walk it out. I believe that this approach, this last one, offers the maximum possibility of satisfactory results with minimum amounts of stress. The relationship, my relationship with Vicki, is valued as higher than winning or losing, escaping or feeling comfortable. It's learning how to confront and walk out conflict in a life-giving, healthy way. It's a game changer, folks. It'll change your marriage, it'll change your home, it'll change your family. Always remember, tension demands, help me now, attention, right? That's the third, or the yeah, third, second secret for today. And last but not least, this last secret is one of the most important. And it's simply this, let it go. Let it go. What, what is it? You know what it is. <laughs> you know what it is. You know what it is. What is it? Well, you fill in the blank. What is it? Whatever it is, you have to learn to what? To do what? To let it go. See? Because if you don't, it will eat you up. And you know, forgiveness is more for you than it is even for the other person. Unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment will tear you apart. It'll go on the inside of you and it'll begin to disassemble all that God created just because of bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness. 
I've watched it happen over my lifetime. I've watched people deal with the same kind of situation, and some deal with unforgiveness and bitterness, and some deal with forgiveness and love and acceptance. And I've watched the lives develop over the years. Unforgiveness will eat you up. Unforgiveness will destroy your life. Let forgiveness flow in your life. Let forgiveness flow in your marriage. Let it go. Well, what does forgiveness really look like? What does it mean? Forgiveness literally means to pass over an offense and free the offender from the punishment deserved. Let that just settle for a second. To pass over an offense and free the offender from the punishment deserved. Think about that. It it, it also means, the Greek word literally means to send away as a missile. To send it away as a missile. Notice the tension there. Notice it's not an easy thing, right? It's a choice that you have to make. Some of you you think, well, what if it comes back? What if I send it away? And it's kind of like the boomerang, (laughs) and it comes back. Well, keep sending it away. Just keep sending it away, say. Keep sending it away. How many of you have ever had that happen? We chose to forgive somebody, and next day it just kind of came back. Came back, and you just kept... You just kept pondering on it. No, learn to send it away. Keep sending it away. Keep send, I, God, I thank you. I forgave that. I forgive them. I forgive them. Keeps, eventually, it'll start coming back less and less and less, right? And then one day, one day, it won't bug you like it used to. But you have to decide to do that. See? In marriages, if husbands and wives learn to say, I am sorry, please forgive me, Marriages grow and continue to develop and be a blessing and be something that that is wonderful. If they don't, life in marriage begins to die. And here's the deal. You've got to realize that forgiveness is a choice, right? Forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. You can't go by your feelings here. How many of you know that if you went by your feelings, you'd be in trouble? You've got to learn that forgiveness is a choice, and if you choose to forgive, you will enjoy the benefits thereof. If you choose not to forgive, you will experience the consequences of unforgiveness. It's a choice. Deuteronomy helps us understand that. Chapter 30, verse 19, this day I call heaven and earth as a witness against you, that I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now, if you want my advice, God says, choose what? Choose life. Choose life. Choose forgiveness. Choose whatever life-giving aspect is out there. Choose life so that you and your children may live. How many of you know you're a free moral agent? You can do what you want to do. You have a right to choose, say. You can choose however you want to build your life and however you want to build your marriage and however you want to build your business or your work you know, effort or your business acumen, whatever that looks like, you have a right to choose all that. And God will let you do it. God will honor your right to choose. That's why I encourage you to choose forgiveness. Choose forgiveness over resentment. Choose forgiveness over bitterness. Choose forgiveness over hate and revenge and retaliation as a couple. Choose forgiveness. Let it go. Let it go. Let's break it down as we get ready to close here. Let's break it down where we live, okay? Let's just talk about how you do this. Uh, let's talk about, real quick, the idea behind receiving forgiveness. The whole idea behind how do you receive forgiveness? First of all, you have to take responsibility 
That's a big word. You have to take responsibility for your wrong actions, right? Everyone say take responsibility. responsibility. In other words, you don't blame shift. You, You don't, you know, you don't say, yeah, I'm sorry, but... How many of you have ever done that? Me? <laughs> Both hands and feet up. Right? Yeah. I say, you know, honey, I, 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 it's qualified, right? Honey, I'm sorry about da, 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 da. Um, but, right, you did this, this, and this, and this, right? That's not what I'm talking about. It says take what? For what? What? Your who? Your. You take responsibility for your wrong actions. See? You, have to, you have to own it. Own it. Don't blame shift. Don't point your fingers. Don't try to get someone else to own theirs. That's not your job. And that's what we do, and that's why we go back into conflict. It's this snowball approach. You know, we start, we we heard something, we're supposed to do this, and we do it, but we add something on, and then before we know it, we're back in the conflict zone, and before you know it, it's just this vicious cycle. And then you end up, instead of resolving conflict, creating more. (laughs) Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe it's just Vicky and I. Maybe it's just Vicky. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Not so... (laughs) Not so. So take responsibility for your wrong actions. And then next, confess what you did and humbly ask the person or God, whoever you're repenting to, to forgive you. Everyone say humbly. Humbly. Ask. Just, yeah, don't just expect they know. They know. God knows. No, you have to own it, and then you have to apologize. You have, to, you have to communicate, right? Confess what you did and humbly ask. Communicate your heart. Communicate that. Communicate, I am so sorry. Did you know, do you know what that does? When your spouse or friend or whoever sees in your heart and your eyes the humility that says, I am so sorry. No excuses. No, partly you're wrong, I'm wrong. No, none of the, I am so sorry for what I did to you. Would you please forgive me? Third, to receive forgiveness, take steps to change your behavior and make restitution. Change. Everyone say change. change. Start trusting God to help you change some things. You don't want to live the way you live the rest of your life. And continue to make those same mistakes over and over and over and create those same hurts over and over and over. You want God to help you change some things and and make some adjustments, right? So that you can be a different person, be transformed by his blood, right? God wants to transform our lives. He wants to change us, thank God. So you do that, you walk it out, you take steps to change your behavior, and you make whatever restitution you need to, to make it right. So that's what we're talking about when it comes to receiving forgiveness. And how, so how do you grant it? How do you, how do you give forgiveness? Because we all need to receive and to grant forgiveness, all of us. First of all, you have to give up the right to punish the person and rub their nose in it. 
and make them grovel. You say, well, what if they do it again? That's not your deal. That's their deal. Amen? That's not your deal. It's their deal. No, you, you give up the right to punish them. And, and you don't try to make them grovel for the next week or two or three or four or year or two. No, you forgive them and, and you give up the right to punish them. You start to act like God acts and you, and you remember the offense no more. And the second way is you choose to see the person through God's loving and compassionate eyes. Ask him to help you see them how he sees them. When you see that, when you start to see through his eyes, you start to see something completely different. You start to see some of the hurt and some of the background and some of the things that created that offense. And you start to look at it differently. And last but not least, and this is huge, don't dwell on the offense. Let, help me now, it, what? Go. Let it go. Let it go. Don't dwell, don't, listen. Make a conscious decision not to repeat it over and over and over. Over and over and over. It's kind of like a video. You just keep hitting replay or rewind and play. Rewind and play. Rewind and play. And how many of you know it gets worse every time? It never gets better. Because the enemy wants to accommodate that. So you have the, 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 just the, the normal dynamics of life and the challenges that we face. Then you have the enemy. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. And we know we have an enemy that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. So every time you choose to, remember, life is a choice, right? Forgiveness is a choice. Every time you choose to do all that and replay it over and over and over again, you're, you're siding with the enemy to create more tension and more distance in your relationship at home. So you have to choose, you have to choose to see that person through God's eyes and not dwell on the offense no more. When you're tempted to do that, this is what I do. I refuse to go there. I say it out loud. When I'm tempted, Vicky did something to me, and I'm tempted, to, you know, I'm upset, I'm hurt, I'm disappointed, whatever. And we have walked it out, and I've asked forgiveness, or she has. And it's a subtle issue, and I want to think about it over and over. I, I say it out loud. I refuse to go there. See, sometimes you have to open your mouth and say something. Yeah. Seriously. Jesus did it. <laughs> he spoke the word, right? The devil came and tempted him, and Jesus said, it is what? Come on, help me now. It's written. He opened his mouth, and he said something. And you need you need to tell the devil where to go. All right? You need, you need to stand your ground against the enemy so he doesn't have free right and reign over your relationships and your marriage. So in closing, don't let grudges and unforgiveness drive a wedge between you and your spouse. Because Satan wants to destroy your marriage so he can divide and conquer. Forgiveness is an important key to harmony and unity and mutual respect and victory and joy in the home. Decide ahead of time that you will forgive when you are offended. Amen? Decide right now, the rest of the day, anyone offends me, I'm going to let them off the hook. (laughs) 
Just that's deciding ahead of time that you're going to choose to be unoffendable. You don't have to take the bait. Did you hear me? You don't have to take the bait that the enemy wants to throw out like a fish in a hook. You don't have to take the bait. You can choose to reject it and walk away. You can choose to be unoffendable when people do saying things and say things that hurt you. You can choose. No, no, not going there. No. When you have pre-forgiveness, you're unoffendable, see? And so you just make a decision every morning when you get up and you're doing your depots, right? God, today I'm going to be unoffendable. I'm going to choose to be unoffendable. And let me say this, refuse, refuse, absolutely refuse to let your marriage be hurt today by what happened yesterday. Refuse to let your marriage be hurt today by what happened yesterday. The past is history and cannot be relived. It cannot be relived. You can only do one thing, right, is learn from your mistake and go on with God. Both parties, I believe both parties, husbands and wife, need to make a strong commitment to not bring up the past, to leave the skeletons in the closet. Don't be dragging them out every time you have a discussion or a debate. As we close today, I want to ask everyone to stand together with me as the worship team comes. I believe God wants to do some amazing things in marriages. I, I believe right now that marriage, Christian marriages especially, are under attack like I've never seen before. We all know Christian marriages, brothers and sisters in Christ that we know that have decided to choose another person, to let their marriage fall apart, to let the enemy have his way. And it breaks my heart when I see that. I've watched them experience life and joy and peace. And, and then all of a sudden, they just decided to let it all go and exchange it for something else, thinking that that was the answer. No, the best marriage you'll ever have is the one you have. You just need to invest in it. Amen? You need to invest in it. You need to fight for it. You need to allow God to make some changes in your heart. And begin to work on it like we've been talking over the last eight weeks about this whole subject of life, family life, marriage, and so on and so forth. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Father, thank you for your word that brings life. Thank you for the love that you bestow upon us and that you grant us. We don't deserve that, God. We know us. So, Lord, I pray right now that you would do something amazing in each one of our lives. I just pray for healing, transformation to be released into marriages in this church and those that are watching online right now. We take authority over the enemy and we terminate his assignment that's been sent forth from hell to destroy your church and the families, Jesus, that you created. God, I pray for your blessings to be released into our homes, to our families, God. I pray for husbands that they would love their wives even as Christ loved the church and and gave himself for it. 
I pray, Father, for wives that they would learn how to respect their husbands and and love them and treat them the way that they deserve by the sheer office that they stand in. I pray for harmony and peace and joy and unity. I pray, God, that you would bring just an ability to communicate, God, to those that have struggled in their communication. I pray, Father, that you would tear down the walls that separate them. God, I just pray right now for complete victory in our marriages and homes. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you'd say, you know what, Jesus, I'm not following him like I know I should. I want to surrender my life to him and give him full authority in my life and in in my relationships, whether you're married or not. And I want to do that today. I won't embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. If that's you, slip up your hand so I can see who that is. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Just want to surrender my life to him and give him full authority today. I want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. One more time, if that's you, raise up your hand. I want to pray for you. Today, if you're here and you'd say, you know what, I, would sh- I, I know that some of the things you mentioned today is something that needs to change in my life personally. And I'm going to ask you to pray for me in that particular area. If that's you, lift up your hand. I want to see, I want to pray for you. God bless you all over this place. God, you see those hands and they represent hearts. Jesus, you are the answer. (laughs) When we kneel at the cross and give you full authority of our lives and surrender our lives to you, God, you have something to work with. And we thank you for that. Can we all say this prayer out loud real quick? Say, Jesus, here's my life. I give it to you. I make you Lord and Master and Savior of my life. I surrender all, and I thank you for saving me. I believe in my heart, confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. Now, if you did that from your heart, God's doing some amazing things right now, and all of heaven is partying. Hallelujah. Let's just take a couple of minutes here uh, and just worship from your heart whatever you were wanting prayer for. Just spend some time talking to the Lord about that as we just close with this song before the benediction. God bless you.